Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hey. <laughs> Did you need to do that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you need to do that before the episode started? <laughs> what? I didn't see it. You hadn't priced it, so I was like, it's fine. Oh, wow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 26 of the Common Sense Podcast, all the way from Doha, Qatar, at 8.35 p.m. My name is Patrick. And my name's Antonia. (laughs) James Bond over there. And (laughs) we are... (laughs) And we are back... With another episode. Wait, no, I have to tell you why. Okay, so I watched that show You on Netflix. And it is, it's scary how quickly you can find out everything about someone. Like, if you have geotagging on your photos, you can literally Google them. And it gives you the location. And it, it's just, I cannot wrap my mind around how accessible people are now. And it's kind of scary. So... That's why. Yeah, you was um, nuts. It was like one of those like thrill rides that just kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen next, but it definitely made me want to turn off my location services. It definitely made me want to um, say forget the technology. <laughs> like, I was ready to go off the grid. Well, you. Kinda- I, I mean. Yeah. After I watched it, I did go back through my Instagram and like remove the location on most things. Yeah. Check your privacy settings. Like check your privacy settings. I had to make sure because for some reason all my um, posts were like public on my Facebook. So I had to change all those. Yeah. I had to change all those to friends. And I knew because I had a... um, a colleague of mine at the school that I'm working at who was like, hey, I stalked your Facebook and I like saw all your things. And I'm like, wow, how the hell did you do that? (laughs) Right. You can't even add me, I don't think, unless we have a mutual friend. Like I have my Facebook locked down all the way. Yeah. You know what? I did go today to see if I could um, video chat, FaceTime message you for this podcast. And um, I didn't even see you but i didn't know yeah. if it was because we were not friends or because you had yours on like silent do not disturb lock under key <laughs> so <laughs> glad no to know idea. it's working i will try it's to find you though well. <laughs> oh man any good news this week for you i do i have um look at you i know and it, it's like it's correlated but whatever um, so for the past two years, I've had the privilege of presenting at NCTM, which is the National Council for Teaching Mathematics or Teachers of Mathematics. Um, and I presented in San Antonio. I've presented in D.C. And my brain is like going blank right now, but it's either in San Diego or, or San Francisco this year. But our proposal got um, accepted. Um, and so I'll be at NCTM presenting with one of my mentors from undergrad again, which I'm super excited about. Um, I go back and forth about whether or not like I prefer math or literacy uh, things in kindergarten. But I I honestly feel like I enjoy both of them a healthy amount. Um, and so obviously this presentation, this conference is related to math ed. Um, and I'm super excited about talking 
with people there and with her about like what math looks like in my kindergarten classroom. Um, so yeah, that's my good news. Congratulations. You're Yay. back at it again. San Thank Francisco. You. Wow. Have you ever been? Um, Years and years ago. Like I wouldn't even remember anything about it. So kind of no, technically yes. It's expensive as shit. That's all I know. <laughs> that's what I hear. That's what I hear. I also like recently, and I think it's because of all of the um, conversation around Kamala, but I did not realize that there used to be a large black population out there. Um, so that's something maybe we can talk about at another time. But yeah, interesting fact. Well, please let us know about um, the details of your session and everything as the day rolls closer. So we can prepare and, and you know, you know, get ready and for that. CTM is so expensive, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm in a position like I have the opportunity to go. I just wish it was mm. more accessible to, you know, regular classroom teachers. Because Especially that is choosing not... San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Like, who the hell going to San Francisco? Right. Anyway, do you have any good news? Um, yes. Um, last week, my bags were packed. Um, this week, they're halfway packed. So... <laughs> <laughs> that is good news. Okay. They're slowly being unpacked. I am living out of a suitcase, and that is okay with me at the moment. Um, I'm still here. I had a flight to Los Angeles last Wednesday that I missed on purpose. Um, Well, not on purpose. I wanted to go, but I knew if I went, I wouldn't be able to get back into the country. And last week, I didn't really care at the time. I was like, forget it. I'm going to fly to Los Angeles, and I'm going to fly to Detroit. And that's going to be the end of my international teaching journey. Good day and God bless. Thank you, next. But uh, <laughs> thank you, next. Um, so with that being said, I decided to stay um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first being, you know, I brought some concerns to my uh, team or my staff or not really my staff, but, you know, my administration. And they were just so um, quick to listen and they were so attentive and so supportive. And I was like, Ugh. and then every time I like said to myself, I'm out of here, I'm done, good day and good night. You know, there's always that one kid that comes up to me and was like, I can't wait to have you, you know, Aww. in school. I was like, <laughs> great. Um, so that was good. Secondly, last week, um, I modeled a math lesson for, uh, one of the year four teachers, year four is third grade here. Cause we, we work on a, um, on a 13 year system, uh, based on the United Kingdom, British, uh, schooling. Okay. And so, so is year one, like kindergarten? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, you know, I was hanging out with one of my colleagues on one of my mini breaks, and uh, she was asking me about multiplying fractions, speaking of math, multiplying fractions um, with whole numbers. And I was like, oh, girl, I know how to do that. Shout out to Miss Slater at Thompson Middle School in grade six who taught me how to do this. She is the reason why I, I knew how to do this. So anyway... She's asking me, and I was like, oh, girl, you do this, you do this, you do this, and here's the, like, the visual bar model to, like, help you out. 
Well. So so she's <laughs> like, uh, right. She was like, well, uh, <laughs> you showing me, but I don't think I know how to teach it. And I was Can like, you just okay, do well, it? I need you. I was, I was like, well, here are the steps you need to tell them. And so basically, that's 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 what she said. She's like, can you you know, can you just teach the lesson for me, and then I'll follow you, and then I'll be able to pick up you know from you. And I was like, okay. So I ended up teaching um, the lessons to a group of year fours, and they were so excited to have me, like you know with them and they were like oh my gosh we're so happy and you know because at the time i was just a guy tall guy on a playground who like chased him around every two seconds uh so that was really 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 fun another like small win and affirming moment that will keep me there another week now we'll see what happens this <laughs> week because really i'm moving on a week-to-week basis okay touch and go touch and go uh, period i'm also getting paid on um this week so i'm really excited about that i've not been paid since uh the end of my severance agreement um last year Ooh. so yes um and i mean like thanksgiving was the last time i had gotten paid um so yeah that's gonna be fun i've been getting out in these streets uh i'm i posted a update video on my instagram page for those folks who care um, you know, it really hasn't been all bad. I know I've been like <sighs> super negative, but it really hasn't been all bad. There's been a, a ton of fun and great moments that have been super affirming, super fun. Um, and yeah, so I posted that update. So check it out on my Instagram page. How did you do the video? iMovie. Oh. Yeah, I need to get I, better at that. That It was a really cute video. Yes. Well, you know, when I was like 13, 12, I used to love Windows Movie Maker. And I have no <laughs> idea, like, I mean, the old, old version. Like, that was how I used to edit videos. I don't remember what I used to edit on there. I think I used to make slideshows that had music. With um, all the little transitions. All the little, all, every transition you could think of. <laughs> Different one on I, every single slide. Yes. I had no idea what I was creating, though. I'm trying to think. I have no idea. But I did a lot of creating of slideshows. And so from there, I just kind of took those skills and applied them to iMovie because it's really user-friendly. So check it out. Okay. I have and a I'm game a- for us. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. For once. Right? Right? Okay. Wow. Um, so basically what's the game called? Um so you think you know Kid Lit. That's what we'll call it. You want theme music? No, it's okay. You're gonna get it anyway. Here we go. Okay, now you can go. You're not going to know the first one. I'm just going to... I'm almost certain you won't. Then why are you going to read it to me? Because I want you to fail. Wow. Okay, go ahead. So the first quote comes from a very popular kid book now. Not so much when we were younger. Um, A lot of people love using it for... uh, I'm doing air quotes, but growth mindset. So it's... Now, define kid... 
kid books. It's something you would use in your classroom. Because people are just saying anything as kid books. Are we talking chapter book? We talking middle grades? We talking picture book? Like, okay. give me some time. Okay, come on now. This one is from a picture book. Okay, thank you. Not necessarily doing middle grade and YA in my classroom with five and six year olds. Look, these people are doing anything to be culturally responsive, air quotes. Yikes. Anyway, it says, the quote from the story says, we can all dance, he said, if we find the music that we love. What book is that from? Was that the Polar Express? Nope. Is that a book? Wow. That is a book. Okay. It has an animal on the front cover. We can all dance, he said, if we find the music that we love. It got a brown bear on the front, don't it? No, it does not. It doesn't have a bear. It has a bear in the book, but not on the cover. I have no idea. I don't know. No, It's Giraffes Can't Dance. Never read it. Are you serious? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I read that to my kids like two weeks ago, and we came up with things that we can do, but things that we can't do yet. But basically, this giraffe wants to dance, but he can't dance yet. Okay. Okay. We'll do another one. (laughs) Go ahead. Hopefully, you get one. Um, the next one. Well, you may have not. Are you familiar familiar with? Um, no, that'll give it away. I'm gonna try it. Okay, here's the quote. But the children knew, as I'm sure. Well, this is. It would be middle grade, I think. And it was what? something that was available when we were children. And something that was available. Okay. It got turned into a Netflix series to kind of help oh, you narrow okay. it down. Thank you. Um, so the quote says, but the children knew, as I'm sure you know, that the worst surroundings in the world can be tolerated if the people in them are interesting and kind. That could literally be anything to me. You want a clue? Yeah. There were three siblings who were orphans. Insert Jeopardy music. Three siblings that were orphans? And their parents, like, passed away in a car crash. Cat No, child. <laughs> This didn't even rhyme. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's not a middle grade book. Come on. I mean, it's way too damn long, but no, it's not a middle grade book. Okay. Uh, Is it a series of unfortunate events? It is. Wow. Go Patrick. Yay. I used to love those books. Like, love. Um, That was the first author that I came across that. I learned that authors don't always use their real names. And I remember being so confused, like trying to Google Lemony Snicket. And he had this like online persona that did not show who he really was. And as a fourth grader, I'm like, but who is Lemony Snicket? (laughs) Okay, one more. Um, This is a very, very, uh, very, very popular uh, book. It's about a little boy. And hopefully, hopefully you get this one. I think it's easy. It has been a terrible, horrible, no good, no good. very bad nothing, day. Nothing, very bad day, Alexander, right? Yeah, she didn't even let me Alexander. finish the quote, but yes. <laughs> Alexander and the very good and the no good, very bad 
something very a long, long bad day. Alexander uh, and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Yes. It was that book that I knew in my first year of teaching that the school was on some complete trash. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> because they told me, they gave me, um, well, I had to observe someone do a read aloud slash reading comprehension lesson. And when they started playing that book on a YouTube video and the kids had to listen to the book and do reading comprehension, which I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with listening comprehension, but that was not reading comprehension. And when I tell you that every single read aloud was done through a YouTube video the entire year, I said, oh, honey, that's That means the teacher wasn't prepared. The school's... I advised them to do that because they that's how they planned. What? Yeah, that's how they planned. They didn't believe in like coming down to the carpet, sitting down and reading. Like all children had to be at a desk with a like with a packet. It was it, okay. I, I don't want to get into that because I talked about it way too many times and I'm sure people are sick of me dragging um, you know, these same systems, but that's how it was. But I remember the first read aloud that I observed was Alexander in a, in a very good, Yikes. terrible, terrible, so, crazy ass day. I use YouTube storybooks sometimes and I always feel trash when I do it, but I only do it when I can't find a physical copy of the book and I really, really, really want to read the story. Um, and so sometimes I stop the story and like we talk about it. And recently one of my kids in my class, she's requested that I stop doing that. <laughs> Because she sees me getting my mouse ready to stop and like chat about something that just happened or like clarify. <laughs> sick she, of you. <laughs> she is sick of me. She she sits on the edge of the carpet real close to me and she'll be like, oh, can we just listen to the story? <laughs> wow. And I'm just like, excuse me, ma'am. This will be the last time I stop. I promise. And I have to hold myself accountable because I'm like, wait, you just told this five-year-old you promised something like you cannot click stop again. <laughs> But yeah, she comes for me every time I stop to ask a question about a story. That's okay. Is, wait, is it my favorite? No, it's not. It's not your favorite. Your favorite's oh, been on okay. 100 recently, though. She's funny. But yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, well, we're already rambling. So, um, listeners, Anthony and I have been talking recently. Um and I am so sad to announce that we have come to the conclusion that there is no school that we would want to work at that currently exists. Dun, 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 dun. Now, that doesn't mean that we're quitting teaching. No. Right, right now. But what, what it means is... is is that we have a real opportunity here to discuss and dream big about what we think a, you know our dream school should and could look like. We can either create this at our current institutions or Anthony is going to open up her own school that's inside of a bookstore one day. Yes. I literally just made that up. I literally just okay. made that up. It's a dream. Wow. Yeah. A, a school inside of a bookstore? That would be really fun. But like early what? elementary, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to um, play a game, and that game is called Build a School. So we also want you as the listeners to chime in. So make sure that you listen to the questions that we ask. And, well, some of you are driving, but note it mentally and then write it down later. Um, And take notes as you listen so that you can build your type of school and then send us or tweet us or Instagram us or email us, like, what you came up with. Okay? So here we go. The first question, Antonia, is what type of school are we building? A charter school, a public school, a private independent school, or a boarding school? You can't have an independent school, but it'd be public. You could. It would be hard to like maintain financing for that, wouldn't it? Well, let's let's say right now that financing is not an issue so that you can dream big. Well, then I guess it would just be an independent school. Why? I don't want to be held to the standards of the state and their accountability measures. Mm. Because if I am taking money from the state, I'm going to be expected to do all of those silly little tests. Mm. So I don't want the state's money. You don't think testing is just a part of school culture in general, though? It doesn't have to be. That's true. That is very, very true. Um, I am building definitely a private school <laughs> or Why? independent school or independent. Um, I mean, for similar reasons, the flexibility and the autonomy is unmatched. I mean, having work in a private school for one year and two months, um, I one of my favorite things is just having the freedom and autonomy to uh, talk about the things you want to talk about, to assess the children in ways that are humane, um, to really create some outstanding and courageous uh, positions. And yeah, like it is, uh, it's just really, really, I think to me, if if we want to, if we see education as like anti-racist, anti-bias work, then we need to be like, out of the system that is most racist uh, yeah. and most biased. So therefore, we need to bring ourselves to a private institution so that we can do the real, real, real work. Because there's no way you're going to be able to truly do that if you're in the system that's upholding those standards, right? Pretty so like much. You're, you're, you're going to be fighting a losing battle. And if you don't want to fight a losing battle, like just get out of the system. Easier said than sure. done, though. Okay. So 70% of my Twitter followers... <laughs> said that they will open up a public school. Come on, Data. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so we are in the minority there. 14% said uh, private or independent. 11% said charter. 5% said boarding school. When When you say public school, I think for a lot of us, we automatically think public because we want it to be accessible to people. And we don't want costs to be like a reason people can't come or send their children, right? But when you think about ways to really truly serve children in the the best what they the best way that they need to be served, oftentimes you're not going to be able to do that in a public school. Mm, that is very true. But I did like the tuition free model that I've seen. Um, I just hate the way that they get the money. You got to um, get the money whole- from the state. 
No, I what? mean in oh. private school. Oh, in, in private, private. schools okay. that are tuition free, um, a lot of those come from like large, rich donors. And I can go on and on about the um, problematic nature of that. Yeah. But anyway, um, question two, what age range are we serving? Early childhood, elementary, middle school, or high school? I'd love to do early childhood. That is like my heart. That is all I really ever want to work with. Um, so probably for me, early childhood even considers, you know, infant. So probably eight well they're not really infants at that point they're more like almost toddlers but 18 months like second grade would be my ideal school campus just because at that age like they're literally discovering the world literally literally (laughs) have you ever like been beside a toddler who's who's just noticed that things like float when the wind hits it like seeing them make those connections and see something new in the world is just I don't even think I have the words to describe that feeling of watching a child discover something like that. I just can feel that you have chills right now. Yes. Uh, I What's, what about you? I definitely will open up a K through eight, um, starting with a K and moving my way up to eighth. Actually, I probably would just start at third um, and then kind of move my way up. I love the elementary school experience. As I say all the time, I had a phenomenal elementary school experience and I definitely want to create that magic for other students. And, um, but I'm falling in love with middle school, um, recently. I think there, there is such a pivotal moment in kids development and I want to be a part of like influencing their brain, <laughs> Because I think we lose so many students in middle school. I think we lose so many um, because it's such a trying time for them emotionally, physically, uh, psychologically, academically. Like there are so many societal, you know, things that are just weighing down on them as like human beings. And so I definitely want to create some sort of experience for them that uh, makes them love education. I more 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 power to you. Middle school is not it for me. <laughs> it's tough though. It's I'm, really, I'm small really tough. though. I think that's why. That's why I'm not interested. I don't think I'm big enough. <laughs> um, so the follower said that 36 percent of people would open up a high school, while 33 percent would open up an elementary, 22 percent open up a middle school, and only nine percent would open up a early childhood Aww. education. Aww, like the babies. <laughs> I, I, I think like we're so disconnected. I don't think people really understand the power of a really strong early childhood education, and I find that to be so interesting because so many um, government politicians are uh, focusing their attention to like early childhood programs and making them more accessible for all children. Um, But yeah, only 9% of people said that they would open up an early childhood school. Yikes. That's scary. Moving on. Um, Feel free to say none of the above or other for this one. Okay. But what is our, (laughs) what does our school specialize in trade and entrepreneurship performing arts, sports, or technology? None of them. (laughs) 
is specialized in outdoor play and discovery learning. That's what we specialize in. Okay. That's, That's okay. what they need. It's what they it's what kids don't get at school right now. I thought you were gonna say social justice. That can that you don't have okay. <laughs> I would be very, very um What's the word? Intrigued is the most polite word I can think of if a school popped up as a magnet and they said they were a social social justice magnet. Be very interesting. It would. Um, for me, I would love a school that is focused in entrepreneurship. Um, that kind of inquiry-based program could really uh, push students to start creating solutions now. Like... I just got done watching the Killer Mike documentary, and one of the things he was saying was to these group of first graders um, was just like they can start making money now or start making a change now on issues and problems that they find in the world. And I certainly agree. Like, I want there to start being a direct um, impact based on the learning that students are doing in school as opposed to learning, 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 and then waiting until you graduate in order to make a change when you could really yeah. start making that change now. Or change or money or business or um, a YouTube channel or followers or gaining, like, you don't have to wait. And so I, I want students to know that. And maybe I just talked myself into creating something for these kids here. Anyway, uh, 34%. Of uh, people said that they would specialize in technology. Thirty percent said performing arts. Twenty eight percent said entrepreneurship, and seven percent said sports. I think it's interesting that we feel like our schools have to specialize in something. Mm. Mm. You Instead know, because all those specialization, yeah, yeah, all of the specialization yeah. started because people were leaving public schools. And so the these little programs were used to entice white families back into public ed. And so I think it's just interesting that we feel that that is something that a school now needs is a focus instead of just, mm. you know, a well-rounded education. I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the I mean, because who's to piece- say, like, well, yeah, like, who's to say, though, that technology can't like there can't be a class offered for it. Like that could that is a component of a well-rounded 21st century education. I'm just wondering why we have to specialize in that seeing that it's all around us yeah. for many of us. Um because whether you specialize in it or not, you're going to use it because it's just the way of the world. All right, moving on. What are our views on standardized testing? Standardized. I said, I don't know what I just said. What are our views on standardized testing? We're here for it. We'll do what we have to do or opt out. So. Opt, oh. Go for it. Go, okay. go. No, I thought we were going to say the same thing. Well, yes, opt out. But I also Uh-oh. think of Marva Collins. I Like I watched her move, like her, the film about her life. And I think about how she only had those kids tests to prove to other people, like how she doesn't need the systems in place to teach children. 
and how it seemed like it was their choice to take the test. Like I would never force a child to take a test, but my mentor, her, her daughter, every year she asks her if she wants to take the test and her daughter since like fourth grade has been like, well, you say these tests don't define me. So, I mean, if, if I go take it, whatever. I personally would probably just opt my child out all the way. I wouldn't offer it at my school, but I could under, I, to some degree understand the thinking behind people like offering it as an option, even though like I don't agree with it. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I, I tend to be an extremist a lot of times where I'm like, forget it, opt out. Um, but there were a lot of discussions surrounding um, how do we compare students across, you know, environments, city, states, countries. Without a norm, um, right? Without, yeah. without, a, without a norm. I just don't necessarily think that it has to be a, 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 test. a test. I think that there are a lot of things that we can do to push uh, students in a or to compare students' growth, right? Like, I would love to see more of an IB or um, research or, like, you know, more of an AP research or AP seminar approach. Um, but I don't think that test taking should be, like, the anchor that holds everybody down. No, no. I, I yeah. for early childhood, I'm very, I love portfolios because you can yeah, see how a child has grown. Um, portfolios are good. And then the child can choose as what best represents them. I like, I, I'm anti-testing, but I, I can semi understand why people think there is a need for them. And I probably wouldn't be so like extremely against it if it wasn't so high stakes and like people's, salaries weren't writing on this and children passing to the next grade weren't writing on this you know like when we took standardized testing in texas when i was much younger we took it earlier in the year so that teachers could use the data points to like help us not necessarily catch up but push us before the end of the year now there's no point in taking them because you take it in april you don't get the scores back till june why do i find out if i'm going to fifth grade in june i should know if i'm going to fifth grade in may when the school year ends Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. Amen. Um, 64% of people said opt out. 30% said we'll do what we have to. And 5% said we're here for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. People still here for standardized testing. I'm screaming. It's the people that the test is made for. What time does our school day begin? 8 a.m., 8.30 a.m., 9 a.m., or after 9? I would say for early childhood, 8.30, and we need to be done by 2. Hold on. Don't. No. No. I didn't get there okay. yet. I said, what day does our school begin? Oh, you didn't say. T- okay. I didn't say in. Okay. <laughs> and I have to answer it again. Okay. Um. So for early childhood, I'm I'm really partial to 8. 30 and that's thankfully i mean i start at eight o'clock now and it's a good time um but i love a little extra time for the day to get started like at a slower pace um this to me was i don't i don't really know what to think about it (laughs) it depends on where you are right in the middle east um, you know, school starts promptly at 7 a.m. What? 
but Ooh. we are done at but we are done at one p.m. Yeah. Right. So for me, it's like there's really no, uh, and and that's strictly because of I think the weather. <laughs> um, you know, like it, it gets, gets really, hot. really, really hot at around like two, three o'clock. Also, think it may have some sort of religious component, but I have, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, but we start early and we end early. Uh, in um, America, I think, I, I mean, there's this discussion about kids like going to bed at a particular time and them having to wake up super early. But I think no matter what time you start the day, you know, kids are going to be sleeping no matter what. I would like things to be most aligned with the American workday um, and not super different. So I'm going to say 8.30 if parents mostly have to be to work at 9. That's fair. 46% of people said start the day at 9 a.m. 22% said after 9 a.m. 19% said 8.30 a.m. And 13% said 8 o'clock a.m. So we all want a little later start. <laughs> they want a later start. They want a later start. So when does the school day end? Before 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock, or after 4? Definitely before 3. Um, Definitely. Yeah. My kids are done at 1 o'clock, honestly. And I know you and I have talked about it, how I feel like young children have such a long day just because of the 40-hour work week. Yes. in the U.S. and because yeah. everyone else is in school that long. But it's not really fair to their development to be in school as long as a 14-year-old or as long as, you know, a 16-year-old. They cannot handle that. And my kids, like, 1 o'clock, they lose it. They're like, I'm tired. I want a nap. It's just it's not fair to them. Um, and then it's not fair to teachers who are, like, trying to push through the rest of the day with a group of tired kids every single day. It's It's just not right. I wouldn't mind an extended school day if there was an extensive break in the middle of the school day. Yeah. Um, and it probably wouldn't be so awful if play was more of a thing in the U.S. Right. It's not like we're expecting five-year-olds to do academic things for seven hours a day without. Right. You know, and some kids don't have the privilege of even having recess. I just. Yeah. It's awful. It is awful. Um, I would do. Probably like two o'clock, ideally, and then you know, a long playtime. And if it just has to go the same length as a work week, then there would just be a lot more play involved because that's what they need. I would definitely say, um, 8 30. I'm, I'm sorry, 3 30. Um, but there has to be some time in the, in the middle or sometime in the day where they're doing something that is uh, unstructured, um, possibly some type of intervention time. And um, they are, you know, kind of moving from there. So I don't know. Even when I've looked at schools in the past, I look at their official school time, uh, school start time and school end time. And as soon as I see anything past three o'clock, I'm like, nope, close, 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 close. Like I'm not, I'm not working till 430. That's just ridiculous. Yep. 48% said 3.30 p.m. So we are right on target with them. 
Um, okay, so we have a lot more and we've been in the studio for a minute. So let's see if we can zip through these. How many students per class? Less than 10, 11 to 16, 17 to 23, or more than 24? Why is that last one even an option? (laughs) Somebody picked it. (laughs) I think 11 to 16 is a good number. Yep, I agree. It's a nice amount for, you know, social time. Um, but it's not too much where students and teachers are overwhelmed um, with management. And we are right on target with that. 63% of people said 11 to 16 kids per class is ideal, um, followed by 17 to 23 kids with 24%. And 1% said 24 kids or more is ideal. That had to have been an accident. <laughs> Where is our school? Is it in a rural area, a city, a suburban area, or a private island? Why'd you laugh at suburban? <laughs> I laughed at private island coming up. I don't know why <laughs> I put that. In the city, in the middle of the city. Because mm. I want to be able to walk to museums and go use public green spaces and, yeah, be in the middle of everything with my kids. I sort of like, um, I don't know, there there are pros and cons to all of, all of this. Um, if I would go with the city, I would need it to be, like, near some type of greenery, though. Like, I don't want just so much city that, like, you know, you know, kids don't get a chance to, like, hang on trees and... yeah. Playing grass and stuff like that, or like, you know, it takes a really long time to get to like a forest or a beach or, you know, like. Well, for many of us, it takes a long time to get to a forest or beach. Okay. Thank you so much. City was 56%, followed by second place, suburban, 29%. Almost tied was rural and private island. People want to be on the beach. (laughs) I can promise you if I'm on the beach, I will not be doing my best teaching. Because I'm sorry, I'm going to want to be out there in the sun. Hello. Uniforms, no uniforms, khaki pants and a collar shirt, or business clothes? Wait, what? Really? (laughs) What? These are all realities in schools today. The kids, well, because it's early childhood, like, let the kids wear what they want. That's like one less battle for the parent in the morning. Just let the child show up with some clothes. We're not even going to get on the uniform debate. It's a whole other thing. No uniforms. And we would agree with the folks who said 60% said no uniforms, 29% said khaki pants and collared shirt, and 10% said business clothes. Mm. Um, I like the no uniforms, too, because... You children get a chance to like dress up for like particular things and you don't have to, you know, go against a, a grain or put things in a guideline or a code. But, you know, like there's more opportunity to do more things. Um, does our school have grades? Um, yes. Do we keep it traditional or nope? We're going gradeless. I think. So. How do I word this? Not traditional, but I do think there should be some form of 
There's only two options. You either keep it traditional, A, B, C, D, F, or you go greatless. But if I go greatless, can I still send checklists home for like how close they are to mastery or what they're doing? Is that greatless? There's not a number <laughs> or a letter. If you're not I'll using that to calculate, if you're not using that to go to calculate something, then technically you're going greatless. Okay, yeah, and then it's greatless. more individualized. Okay, great. Um, I probably will keep it traditional. Um, I think. I don't think grades are the issue. I think that how we use grades um, is the issue and that students don't really have a lot of autonomy in their score or a lot of self-monitoring skills. Um, so I would like them to be in charge of their grades. I would like them to be able to, it to be more so about mastery than it is about teachers holding a, a B, C, D, or F over a child's head, you know, for like stupid things. So students are completely owning their grade as a part of the class. I can agree with that. 55% of people said, what do you think? Um, traditional. Yep. And 45% said greatless. How important are field trips? Once a week, several a month, once every few months. Eh, who cares? Was one was once a month an option? I don't remember. Mm, no? Once every few. Oh no! Going to the park would that be considered a field trip? Mm, every time you leave the building, technically, that's considered a field trip. Okay, I could do once a week. Oh wow! Once a week for young life, um, like yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, I would do uh, several a month that were aligned to whatever we're studying. 48% of people said several a month. 33% said once every few months. 0% said, eh, who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, how long is recess? 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, longer than an hour. Longer than an hour. Yes. Yes. I agree with you on that. Um, but we are in the dreaded minority because only 5% of people said recess should be longer than an hour. Mm. Kids will play that long if you let them. They really would. But we don't ever let them. And I mean one continuous hour, not like broken up throughout the day. That's yep. just my own personal opinion, though. 45% of people said 45 minutes. Y'all be trying to combine lunch and recess, trying to be <laughs> slick. They got 45 minutes. Um, student technology. Are we a one-to-one school? A bring-your-own-device? Um, no phones allowed? Or are we keeping it low-tech? Early childhood, I would definitely prefer to keep it low-tech. Okay. They can get all that outside of school. That is true. Uh, so I go back and forth with this because a part of me 
loves the idea of one-to-one because there are so many endless possibilities to create so many things. But I'm in a situation right now in Qatar where I'm forced to be low tech, which is like so weird because I'm in Qatar. And if you yeah. know anything about Qatar, everything is high tech in Qatar. You would assume so, you'd have it too. Um, I'm kind of forcing myself to do it. And I don't know. I'm going to go with one-to-one though. I I think I need that. Um, and I will be in the with the majority of people. 83%, 83% of people said one-to-one. Only 4% said keep it low tech. I don't agree, but okay. I think it's more useful the older the child is, like, because there's no way to get away from it. But the young children, like, you need to, you're learning how to use your muscles, your finger muscles, like your fine motor skills. You don't need to be swiping on a screen. You don't need to be typing. You need to be doing things with your hands and developing hand-eye coordination. And no, I'm sorry. I'm not for it. If so you I don't could, like those those babies who are who be on Instagram? No. Like, okay. I I I have to try to fix my face in public when I see it all the time. And I know, like, I don't know anyone's situation, but it's, yeah. Give that child a paper and some pencil. Amen. They're screaming because you always give them the iPad. Like, that's why they're screaming for the iPad. I don't know. I'm not a parent, though, so my opinion <laughs> is whatever. Teacher evaluations. How are we doing them? Teachers will evaluate themselves. Administrators will evaluate peer-to-peer evaluations or no evaluations at all. I would love to evaluate myself. Really? I'm very hard on myself, and I know exactly where I need to grow and what I need to do. But, like, you're not allowed to really, like, if you bring that up, it's almost, it's never talked about positively, right? Mm, mm. Like. Why cannot my ooh my stomach? Wow, I heard that. Okay, yeah, it's never <laughs> talked about. <laughs> Stop. It's never talked about positively, though. Like I love to be able to go in and say, "Hey, I know I'm lacking in this area. Is there any training I can go to to get stronger in this area?" And like move forward. But teachers don't have that kind of power right now because if you go in and say you're struggling in some area, odds are someone's going to come in your room during that time to see you struggling and write it down and document it. Wow. How would you evaluate yourself, though? Like, what does that look like? I think it really would be me being in tune with the kids um, and knowing, like, when they're, like, paying attention to when they're engaged and when they're not engaged, um, noticing what areas, like, my entire class or my entire group of kids may be struggling with, because that points out my weaknesses, like it's, I try not to think it's the children's fault, right? If I'm doing a lesson and they're all over the carpet, like there's something I'm not doing or there's something that they need in that moment that I'm not giving them. And, you know, finding those pieces of your day and trying to change them and figure out the why behind them really helps you to grow. But we often aren't given that time and space to do that kind of reflection. I went through a really cool training um, at KSI surrounding um teachers video training uh videotaping themselves and then you know evaluating themselves i think um i would love a really close-knit or cohort type of peer-to-peer evaluation where um you know one like four teachers of different disciplines 
are in some sort of cohort experience or they're like a team for that year. And, you know, they coach and, and evaluate one another. And I think because they're in dis- different disciplines, it'll um, encourage teachers to take on a different perspective and it'll encourage them to try some methods that they might not um, use. I think being a content specialist is really important, but sometimes we we get lost in the content that um, we don't think about the teaching strategies that could kind of help us all. So I would love peer-to-peer evaluations. Interesting. I will be on target with 78% of people saying that peer-to-peer evaluations they're in favor of. 13% second place. 13% say administrators should evaluate. Mm -mm. That's still shocking to me. 7% said teachers should evaluate themselves and 2% say no evaluations. This is an easy one. How we doing discipline? No nonsense. Color charts. Doug Lamar. Keep it restorative. You are so messy. <laughs> keep it restorative. Seventy-one <laughs> percent of people said keep it restorative. Fourteen percent said no nonsense. Ten percent said color charts, and five percent said Doug Lamar. That is still twenty-nine percent of people still with problematic as discipline philosophies who is still using a color chart in 2019 <laughs> somebody's cousin how's our curriculum built we use basils solely teacher created um how's our curriculum built um we use basils solely teacher created with no type of like you know interference teacher created using standards um, like Common Core, um, or is it a mixture of things? Um, what was the first option again? We use Basils. Oh, no. I think teacher created with standards. Yeah. But I'm kind of hesitant because I've I've seen what that looks like, and it's not always good. But yeah, I'd be okay with doing that at my school. I think when it pertains to standards, I like the idea that as far as a country, there are things that everybody needs to know. Um, Now, whether the scope and sequence of that is right or developmentally appropriate, that's a whole other discussion. But I like the idea of like national standards. So I would definitely go with teachers using Common Core or state standards, and we will only be um, 13% of the vote. (laughs) What's our homework policy? No homework allowed. Homework as necessary, flipped classroom, or homework weekly, daily? No homework. None. Not for early childhood. Don't believe in its usefulness. Um, I'm definitely going to say homework as no, I'm going to go with the flipped classroom. I definitely love this idea of students having some sort of experience at home or with their families outside of school and then bringing that into the classroom so that when we start a new unit or something of that degree, they are coming in with some sort of like background knowledge 
uh-huh. whether they had it or not. But, but they're activating that background knowledge at home with their family, and then they're bringing them back in to the school. And then, and then we're all able to contribute something as we start um, sort of, some sort of like journey or something like that. 60, 61% of people said homework as necessary. 15% said homework daily. <laughs> Why? You're not great in it. 14% said no homework allowed and 11% said flipped classroom. Um, We have <laughs> school lunch. <laughs> this is our last one. School lunch. Michelle Obama restrictions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no restrictions or other. Other. And what does I that look I'd like? I'd love to, to have something catered or the kids bring their own. Like an and I've worked at a, a preschool that had an in-house chef, but not really in-house chef. They just factored in lunch as part of, you know, the um monthly tuition and there was a menu and the kids could bring food the days that they didn't want to eat that. Okay. I am going to go with the Michelle Obama restrictions. Um, okay. <laughs> the lunch is still trash. Kidding. Um, I'm saying other. I think uh, the 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 lunches were definitely trash. I think that sh- she <laughs> tried her best. Didn't really work. We were having waffle because- fries for lunch at one point. Like, how is that? They were having a lot of meals, but they just had no salt or flavoring to them. So the kids hated them. And you know, black kids need salt. Which is why my kids were bringing in those chips and soda. I was like, I'm going to just eat this instead or protesting to eating lunch. So, yes. So that was our last question. 46% of people said they would love the Michelle Obama restrictions. Y'all went in the schools eating them lunches with them kids. Y'all went in the schools. We had nachos on the stuff back in the day, and then Michelle Obama came, and it was not. It's not. It was not well, it. No, it was not it. Not at all. I never ate a school lunch my first year. Really? Because of how disgusting that stuff was. I was <sighs> like, I will go hungry instead of eating that. So I could definitely empathize with my kids who were like, I'm not eating. Which was sad, and I kept things for them, but I was not eating at school lunch. So finally, as we end here, I want you to think about the name of your school, and I want you to sum it all up. So here is the school that our followers created. They named it Wakanda International Liberation High School. (laughs) (laughs) A public school in the city specializing in technology. Um, their their class sizes don't exceed 16 students, uniforms aren't required, and every student has a device. Their discipline is restorative. They give homework as necessary and recess is 45 minutes. The curriculum is a mixture of published curriculum and a teacher-made resources. We're big on teamwork here because teachers evaluate one another. Students receive traditional grades and we only test max 10 hours a year. Lunch is Michelle Obama approved. We'll see you Monday at 9 a.m. That doesn't sound like a terrible place to go to school or to work, though. So I guess I'm okay with it. (laughs) It doesn't. I'll be bringing my own lunch, though. So tell us about the school. 
So I was going back and forth on trying to figure out a name, but I think I really like um, Little Leaders Early Childhood Center. I'm, I'm happy with that. Mm. Um, so based it's, on the book. Oh, I guess so. But anyway, um, so Little Leaders Early Childhood Center <laughs> would be an independent center um, serving early childhood and elementary. So 18 months through second grade. I don't want to do third grade. Um, yeah, they'd have to go somewhere else. Uh, we don't really specialize in anything. <laughs> Get <I can't>. out. <laughs> you, you, you would grow out of early little leaders, early childhood center. I'm sorry. We would miss you and we'd have a goodbye circle, but yeah. Um, we don't specialize in anything particular, just promoting a well-rounded, uh, education, we are not here for standardized testing. It's not a thing, so we'd be opting out. Our school day would start at 8.30, and we'd get out before 3 p.m. Our class sizes are, um, we try to keep them under 16 students, so 11 to 16 is a good number, so that each child can get, you know, the one-on-one attention that they deserve and need. It's in the middle of the city, so that it's accessible for everyone. There's no uniforms. Um, we also don't have grades. We go on field trips once a week. Recess is an hour or longer, depending on the way that the children are responding to the outside time. Um, we're keeping it low tech and teachers evaluate themselves and we're keeping discipline restorative. We don't believe in harsh punitive measures. Um, and our curriculum is created using state standards and homework is not allowed. And if we have to test, we are keeping it to less than 10 hours out of the school year. And for lunch, it's either catered or children can bring their own lunch. So, yeah. It sounds Sounds like something that needs to happen. Uh Oh, Throw her some coins. Yes. (laughs) So, my school is the Bayard Reston School of Leadership. Okay. It's not funny. I'm I'm done. Okay. It is an independent uh, upper elementary middle school. So after they're done. No. Yes. Yeah. They'll go across the street after our goodbye circle. They can go to you. Yes. We get our kids from Little Leaders. (laughs) Um, And our school specializes in entrepreneurship so that all our kids can make some money. Okay. Uh, We opt out of standardized testing it and our school day begins at 8.30 a.m. and ends at 3.30 p.m. with a large break in the middle. Uh, Class sizes don't exceed 16 and we are in the city. There are no uniforms and we keep traditional grading. We have field trips several times a month and recess is longer than an hour. What's good? Um, We have one-to-one technology Teacher evaluations are peer-to-peer, and of course, we keep in discipline restorative because, uh, duh. Um, our curriculum is built on standards, but is uh, created in-house. We uh, have a flipped classroom homework policy, and our school lunch is Michelle Obama restricted. Did, did I say that last time? Yeah. I said that, right? Uh-huh. Okay, great. Amen. I cannot wait for somebody else to open up that school. <laughs> Amen. 
Let me know when they start hiring. <laughs> Let me know. We would love to know what school you're opening. If you want um, a link to all of these questions so that you can reflect, it will be in the description of the podcast. But we would love to know what school you're opening. Um, throw us the coins and we may be able to make some happen happen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so with that being said, we will be right back. Yeah. Hey, y'all. While you have a quick second, if you could just go to our iTunes page and leave us a comment, tell us how we're doing on the podcast, what you love, what you'd love to hear more of, and leave us a five-star rating. Thank you. We'll be back in a second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we're back. Yes, we are. Send us your questions. I don't know why I almost forgot that. Send us your questions to www.commonsensepod.com or you can send us an email at commonsensepod at gmail.com. Now, we have been in the studio for a long time, but we still going to do these questions. Some of y'all have been asking for longer episodes. Here you go. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. What questions do we have, ma'am? Okay, so our first one is... They say, how do you guys feel about teachers not being certified and teaching? Mm, boy. Okay. <sighs> Jesus. Um, so, <sighs> Ooh, it's tricky. It's tough. It's tricky, ain't it? It's tricky. I see so many sides of it, right? I think that someone who is a content specialist, someone who is an actual biologist or someone who is a chemist or somebody who has put forth tremendous amount of um, or who has contributed a lot to their field, they should be able to use their expertise and come back and teach. I don't think that teaching certificates should be as easily attainable as I think that they are now. Um, I think it's really easy to get a certification, which I think cheapens the profession. When you think about doctors and lawyers, right, like they are in long training programs that prepare them to perform surgery with their eyes closed, right? Where in teachers, you do one semester or one year of student teaching and you're automatically a fully certified teacher. Um, but I understand the need for that particular, uh, program because of the high, um, teacher turnover and teacher retention rate, um, and uh, the, like the teacher shortage. So, you know, in a sense, we have to do something different. Um, but ideally, we 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 know what teachers have the i don't know never never i can't even say teachers who have cuz um the teacher certifications are better teachers cuz that's just not factual you were able to pass the test you were able to pass the test what makes a good teacher good is mentorship and experience and so if we can take that and make that into you know, some sort of program that then leads to a certification, then we will be, you know, helping our kids be be better off. But if we're just 
requiring them to do TNTP or these like, you know, programs at the, at the universities on a larger scale, we're not really helping our kids. Yeah, there are some teachers who have a gift, but on a larger scale, I, I don't think we're helping kids. So I only feel really, really strongly about it at the early childhood level because you should not be able to go major in dance and then train for two weeks and then pop into a kindergarten classroom. Like you just shouldn't. And I, I'm i not going to like try to justify my answer um, in any way because I feel that you just need a lot of background information about the development of a child at that age, how their brain works at that age, um, how their brain worked, you know, two years before walking into your classroom and things that are appropriate for them. Because I just see a lot of people who have no background in early childhood walking into early childhood classrooms and doing things that are damaging to children. Um, Mm. And I would agree with you that, you know, if you had experience in a related field outside the classroom, then sure, you know, get some get some training about how the mechanics of teaching, right? And then you can come in and share that knowledge with children because it is useful. They do need that knowledge and you have that background information that someone who maybe took the linear path into teaching may not have about the content. Um, and it, it still is useful for you to share that with children. But if you did not have any experience, you know, with early childhood, I don't think you should be walking into an early childhood classroom and being responsible for those children. I think we too often, like people who work with our youngest our youngest learners and the youngest people around us are too often, you know, like undertrained and under underpaid for certain, um, and it needs to change. So our next question, how do I bring up that I need more planning time to my principal? I get 45 uh, minutes a week. <laughs> yes. Prosody. Um, oh God. It's always easier said than done, right? Like, I can say, oh, I'm not going to do anything, and they'll just see what I can get done in 45 minutes. But then, you know, if your job is on the line and you have bills and, you know, you don't come from a cushioned background, that's all you've got, right? She said 45 minutes a week. Week. What are you doing? Like, what could you possibly accomplish in 45 minutes for the week? Which brings up this like hidden like norm that teachers are supposed to work at home on lesson plans and, and, and grading. That's that ain't nobody's like dream. Like nobody wants to do that. We do that because we really don't have a choice because there's no time during the day to do it. How do we tell our principal that you need more planning time? I don't know if it's in your principal's like lane to even give you more planning time because in a sense you're playing with the schedule and I don't I like there are so many constraints there if you're in a union I would check and see with your union and see what the contract says um, if you're not with the union and you're in a school with more flexibility then I would most definitely gather up some teachers that I trust and devise a plan um Work with the schedule yourself. So if, if you know, knowing your kids and your school and what you guys have to do, I would literally draft a, a schedule to present to the principal with the amount of planning time that you need in there and then see what happens. That's just crazy. Like that, that makes no sense. 45 minutes a week. That's 45 nuts. minutes. 
months. You know, I'm finding that I can't even plan at school because by the time my planning period comes around, I just need a break. Like, I'm mentally exhausted. I agree. I agree. And And I finally realized that's why I'm not getting anything accomplished because I'm tired. Like, you've been nonstop with these kids for three hours and now you want me to power through, like, lesson plans for the next week and then come and pick them up and power through for four more hours? Like, when is my brain supposed to rest? I'm telling you, as somebody that has an hour and a half of planning a day, I still take 45 minutes to breathe and, like, walk around aimlessly doing nothing. So I can't even imagine doing any work, right? Like, it is, it's nearly impossible to do work. Ugh, I'm so sorry that that's the situation. I hope it gets better for you. Okay, we have one more question, and this person just wants to know our thoughts on the responsive classroom approach. And I know you've had formal training with them, right? Yes, I have. I'm fully certified. So do you want to share some of your thoughts on it with us? <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Yes. Um, first of all, I need somebody to send me a responsive classroom chime. Thank you in advance. Um, Second, Responsive Classroom is the best uh, behavior management program or, you know, like, or management program on the market, period, period. There's no other behavior management, like, um, or culture building, whatever, like, that's on the market that is competing with Responsive Classroom because Responsive Classroom looks at the whole child it spends a lot of time on community building. It talks about um, implementing res- uh, uh, logical consequences. It talks about uh, spending literally the first six weeks of school sweating the small stuff and building the class that you want to have. Um, it talks about practicing those routines and procedures, something that I'm not doing now that I should be doing now, right? Um, and so with that being said, it really is the best program out there. Please tell your school to send you to the training. It's literally going to change your life. Um, I wish I, I could go to the training. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It, because Responsive Classroom is just common sense training. It's common sense no pun intended. It's That's what it sounds training. like, yeah. Yeah, like it's just like, oh my God, a kid is, you know, threw something across the room. Tell their asses to go clean it up, right? <laughs> um, you know, kids are, are are making fun of each other. We're having a restorative circle and we're talking it out, right? Um, I think my favorite part is just like creating classroom rules and the fact that a teacher should create those rules with their students, you know, taking their hopes and dreams for the year and for life and creating a set of rules out out of that. And that should also be done on a school-wide level. Like that, that was my favorite part. I love that. Um, That was fantastic. Uh, But yeah, I would recommend Responsive Classroom to any and everybody, period. As soon as I find a sponsor, I'll be at the training. Um, (laughs) So if y'all have any questions for us, as always, you can send them through our email at commonsensepod at gmail.com, or you can send them through our website at commonsensepod.com. So I have a quote for us. It's from Ella Baker, who I just absolutely love and really look up to. 
Um, Ella Baker said, one of the things that has to be faced is the process of waiting to change the system. How much we have got to do to find out who we are, where we have come from, and where we are going. I think the more that we reflect, you know, on our experiences, you know, gives us a, a, a clearer picture of what's possible. Um, I think what's often missing from this discussion that we just had for a freaking hour um, is like, yes, we want these things, but what do our students actually want? Um, and like, what is their dream school? You know what I'm saying? And not forgetting their voices <laughs> as we like prepare to make decisions on their behalf. Um, but something's got to change and we got to dream big about it. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, short and sweet this week. I like how she talks about or mentions we have to know where we have come from. It's so easy yes. to, to forget that. Um, and if you have a understanding of where you came from, then that presses you forward to the path towards where you're going. So, like I said, I love anything by Ella Baker. Yes. Well, guys, it's been a long one. They were asking for it. (laughs) Y'all were asking for longer episodes. It won't happen again, though. So cherish this moment. Um, And, like, you know, be glad about it. Uh, because this right here is a doozy, but it was fun. I did appreciate building that school. That was pretty cool. That was Maybe fun. it'll happen in the future. It'll happen in the future. Who knows? Um, but Bill Gates, I don't want your money. Um, <laughs> random, but true. And on that note, we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time. 